Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. What do you think it was like to hear Jesus speaking and preaching? I wonder what you imagine it to be like. You know, sometimes when we think of historical stories, we put ourselves in the best position. I know when I watch a movie about a great hero like William Wallace of the past or something, I think, well, I would have been either him or one of his main followers. But the reality is, if the past is like the present, I may not have been the main character. And when Jesus told his stories, because he preached with stories, they're called parables. Para means alongside and bello means to throw. He would throw a story alongside a real life situation and alongside a spiritual truth. And he would put them out there, but he did it in such a way so as to make it slightly difficult for people to hear. He started with a parable of the sower, a man threw out seed, and he said his words were the seeds, and that there were four different soils or responses to the word. Some people just ignored it. Some listened for a bit and were excited. Some grew a little bit and then died, and some had uh, other ideas that were choking them, and, and some were good soil. But he he did this in such a way when his disciples asked him, why are you doing this? He said, because people's hearts are hard and I want them to open up their hearts and to dig a little deeper. And so it's possible that Jesus would have been walking along with his disciples and and some others following him. And he would have seen a situation, a field, some seed, a farmer, whatever it was. He would have told a story and I might have been one of those people who heard it and it just bounced off. I never thought of it again. Or I may have thought, hmm, there there seems to be something here, but then I never pressed in and really followed. Or I would have taken it on board, but I wouldn't have got rid of my other toxic thinking and wrong ideas. And so it would never have caused fruit and life and eternal life in me. Or I may have been one of the good soils. And on the same day, Jesus told the parable of the sower. He told several other parables and stories about fields, about farming, about seeds, and about fishing and various other things. And it all happened on the same day. And the challenge that I gave you last week was when you hear God's word, which one of the four soils are you? And again today, my dear friend, I'm asking you, when you hear these parables that Jesus told, which one of the four soils are you? Are you going to be like the person who just passes on by. You know, in Exodus 3, Moses was walking along. The Bible says he saw a bush that was burning and he said, should I turn aside? And the Bible says that Moses turned aside. He decided to turn aside. And when God saw that he turned aside, he then revealed himself and a whole new adventure unfolded. But there was a choice. Should I investigate or should I just ignore? And that is the choice that you and I face every time we hear God's word and when you're hearing it today. So Jesus told the parable of the sower, the four soils, the seed, and he explained it to say the seed is the word of God. He is the sower and our hearts are the four different soils and we need to prepare our hearts and respond correctly. In Mark, it tells us another parable he told on the same day. I'm going to read it to you. He said, And the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. 
and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He said that God's word is something amazing, that once it's in, it just produces fruit and it grows by itself, he says. He doesn't even know why it's growing or how it's growing. It's an automatic growth, but there's a a process where it goes First the head, the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. There's a process of growth. And then he told this parable in Matthew 13 and verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares or weeds among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares or weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. Are you following these parables? Imagine you're there on the scene listening to Jesus. Where are you in the crowd? Which one of the soils are you? He goes on to say, Another parable, this is verse 31, he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. How are you receiving these parables? Are they just superficial stories? Well, the seed grows. Or is there a deeper meaning? And we said last week, there's a surprising meaning always in the parables. The next one, verse 33, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So she's got dough. She puts a tiny little bit of yeast in it. But three measures of meal is 60 kilograms. It's a massive, massive amount of dough. She has, is making such a big amount of dough. But a tiny amount of yeast goes in and it spreads throughout the whole thing. The disciples came and asked Jesus to explain the parable of the tares or the weeds in the field. And he answered them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Okay, we've got the same principle as the parable of the sower. Jesus is the one sowing the good seed. The field is the world. Ah, okay. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. So in the parable of the sower, the the soil was my heart, but now um, the, and the seed was the word of God, but the seeds are now people. The seeds, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked ones. So the, the wheat and the weeds are people. They're two groups of people. And many people believe that these tares or these weeds that Jesus was speaking of, speaking of are Darnell, which is almost indistinguishable from wheat. They look so similar. You can't tell which is wheat and which is weeds. And he was saying there's sons of the kingdom and sons of the evil one. 
The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Are you getting it? I wonder if you're like Moses and you're saying, oh, mm, is there something more here? There's a burning bush. It could just be a, a, a natural phenomenon. Maybe this is just a story or maybe there's something that will change my life in these words. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth and the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So many stories coming, so many truths, so many deeper truths which we need to look at. He told some more parables. Verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So now we're still in a field, but it's not a seed. It's a treasure, treasure hid in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away, the good fish and the bad fish. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus said. They said to him, yes, Lord. What are we going to do with this? Imagine you're there on that day in Palestine in 30 odd AD, and you're listening to this preacher preaching, and he's telling stories about nature. Does it go deeper? Does it bear supernatural, eternal fruit in your life? What are these parables all about? So let's start with the most obvious, simple principles. The seed is powerful. The seed, we said last week, has life in it. You can't tell how many plants are in one seed. You can tell how many seeds are in one fruit, but you can't tell how many plants are in one seed because it's infinite. The seed, the Word of God, is powerful, powerful, powerful. And if you allow the seed to produce a great harvest in your life, you become a seed, one of the, the wheat in the field, which also has tares in it, and you can produce much fruit in others' lives. The seed is powerful. Secondly, the seed is the Word of God, primarily. The, it all starts with the Word of God. We've got to get the Word of God. It's a supernatural thing. When I read God's Word, it's not like any other book. It's not like any other human theory. It is the Word of God, powerful, living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide, pierce and divide between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intents or attitudes of my heart. That is what the Word of God is. It's powerful. It's God-breathed. It has life in it. And the Word of God is the seed. We need to get the Word of God in us. Thirdly, 
the seed starts very small. He says it's like a mustard seed, the tiniest of all seeds, but it grows and grows and grows. It starts small. God loves to start small. He says in the Old Testament, do not despise the day of small beginnings. He started his rescue mission on planet Earth with a human seed put into the womb of a woman. And he, he uses a divine seed put into a human seed. He uses seeds, tiny things, and the baby grew and grew and grew. Uh, he uses obscure and small and the things that the world would ignore. And so if you are starting small or you have a small faith or you have a small idea, God loves the small. But the next principle is the kingdom of God always grows. It grows and it grows and it grows. It never stops growing. Isaiah 9, it says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and of the increase of his government and reign there will be no end. Of the increase, increase, increase. The kingdom of God will never, ever stop growing. In Daniel's prophecies, in Daniel 2, 7, 9, he speaks of a kingdom coming after all the, the human kingdoms, the, the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. He said, then the kingdom of God will come and it will start small. It will shatter those kingdoms and it will grow and grow until it fills the whole earth. So those are the simple readings of these parables. And I hope you get those. We mustn't gloss over the simple because we're looking for the interesting or the, or the complicated. We must understand the simple. I need the word of God in my heart. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help me to get your word, to get your seed in my heart, to value it, to treasure it, to love your word, to let it go deep into my heart and produce a harvest, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would also show me what are the, the thorns and the weeds in my own heart that I need to uproot. Those seeds of ideas that maybe were planted early on in my life that would choke and, and compete with your word so that I can let your word grow. Amen and amen. But now I want to talk about the hidden meaning, the, the surprising meaning. And you may think, well, I think I've got it now. I, th I think I know what the surprising meaning is. But we said last week that Jesus's parables always have another layer of something surprising that we didn't expect. And it's only when we press in, it's only when we want to understand God's will that we look deeper, that we don't just let it leave our minds, but we look deeper and we say, God, what are you trying to say? And the hidden meaning in all of these parables is mixture mixture. So the wheat and the tares. God has good seed in the world and he's got good plans, but mixed in with the good, there is bad. And he doesn't separate or stop the bad or, or kill the bad or somehow limit the bad. He doesn't get involved until the end. There's good and bad mixed. You say to me, are there other mixtures in these other parables? Yes, there are. The parable of the sower, there's good and bad mixed in there. And even in the good soil, there's 30, 60, and 100. There's a mixture, but it's hidden. You can't really tell. Uh, the dragnet, he brings in the fish, and there's good and there's bad fish, and he separates them out. The mustard seed, he says it's a mustard seed, and it starts small, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And then he says, and the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And he's just told us just a few verses earlier that the birds of the air 
are demonic evil assignments. Even in the good seed that's grown into a massive tree, there are the birds of the air. What about the, the leaven and the huge amount of dough? Is that not just a picture of growth and God's blessing? No, because leaven or yeast always in the Bible represents sin. Always, right throughout from the Old Testament to the end, it represents sin. Unleavened bread means you take out the yeast so that it represents taking sin out. And Jesus said in the kingdom there will be a mixture, a mixture, a mixture. And so we see through all of these parables there is a second meaning and Jesus was warning his disciples and he's warning you and me and there's a reason for his warning. He says there will always be a mixture of good and bad. Now what do I do with this information? Number one, I rearrange my expectations. You know when you walk out into the world, if you expect something and the world doesn't live up to those expectations, a crisis happens in your heart and you either get into a state of shock and trauma or anger. Uh, it's like the stages of grief because what you expected and what you saw are not the same thing. And a lot of the Bible is telling us the reality of the world, not just what we can see and understand with our five senses, but the real spiritual realities behind things. And Jesus was saying, just as he did in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus was saying, don't think that because my kingdom has come, that all enemies have been destroyed. He said this many times and in many other ways. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, it talks about Jesus at the end of time, handing back the kingdom to his father. And it says the last enemy to be destroyed right at the end is death, because there's a process we mentioned it in previous sermons, Psalm 110, rule in the midst of your enemies. Uh, I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Extend your power until, until, until. There's a, there's a process of, of putting the enemies under Jesus' feet. And he was saying, it's important for you, my dear friend, and for me to know we are part of the kingdom. If the seed has taken root and produced life in us, we are part of the kingdom. But we're living in a world that is not fully submitted to God yet. And our job is to spread the kingdom and spread his love and, and extend his kingdom. But right up until the end, there will be the good and the bad, the wheat and the tares, the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one. And it will always be the case. What do I do with that? Well, I just adjust my expectations. I say when things don't go well, oh well, it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to cry and, and complain and blame God. I'm not going to blame other people. I'm not going to blame myself. When things aren't perfect as I would love them to be, I say it's because Jesus warned us we're living in a mixture, in a mixed up kingdom until the end. But we are extending his good kingdom. The kingdom of God is growing, growing, growing throughout this time. There are so many verses about this. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about three groanings. It says creation is groaning because it's under the weight of decay and sin. It says we, the children of God who have the spirit in us, are groaning because things aren't as they should be. And then it says the Holy Spirit within us is groaning through prayer. And we are praying God's will into being. This is the biblical 
narrative of how the world is. It's not all perfect and it's not going to be perfect until we get to heaven. And if we can adjust our minds and expect that and understand that, Jesus was saying it's important, it's important that you get this. My friend, I wonder how you are. You might be one of those people who've had an expectation of the world and it's put in us by God, that expectation for justice, for peace, for joy, for righteousness, for love, for kindness. We expect that because God made us to live in heaven, but we live in a fallen world. And if you haven't understood that we're living with wheat and tares together, life will be very, very hard for you. But if you understand, God has put his life within you and we can extend his kingdom and live through all the hardships that the world will throw at us. It enables us to be victorious in this life. Again and again in Revelation 1 to 3, to each of the seven churches, Jesus says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to all these blessings. We've got to overcome and not be overcome by the world. But it starts with us changing our expectation. The second very, very important principle at which I want to close with now is that we are to discern, but we're not to judge. Friend, you and I are called to discern. We are called to test. We are called to examine and to differentiate between good and bad. Many, many times in the Bible, it talks about us testing good fruit versus bad fruit, examining ourselves, examining our hearts. Even in the parable of the sower, it's asking us to examine our hearts and to judge maybe the thorns that grew up in the third soil. We've got to examine our thoughts and take every thought captive. Say, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? We are called to discern good from bad. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Do not judge, lest you be judged, for with the judgment you use, you will be judged. But then just a few verses later, he says, Watch out for false prophets. By their fruits you will know them. So he was saying you are supposed to discern, but we're not supposed to judge. And what do I mean by judge? You, you remember the servants in the parable of the wheat and the tares said to the master, Should we go and get rid of the weeds right now? And he said, no, because you're going to damage the wheat when you're trying to do that. Judging is when I say I am better and I want to punish. <laughs> now, I know this is, this is a, a, a difficult concept sometimes for us to understand. But let me try and make it slightly more clear to you. I judge when I think I must force somebody. I must override their free will and I must force them to do what I want or what God wants. I'm judging. I'm saying I'm better than you. You are a bad person and I'm going to force you to do what I want. That I should not do. Jesus said he's going to do it. God's going to do it right at the end. He's going to judge and he's going to separate. And he's the one who punishes. It's not us. I mustn't judge. But I discern when I say that is bad seed, that is good seed. I'm not better. I don't know the reasons why that person is doing that thing, saying that thing, acting that way or whatever. But I'm discerning with humility, not to make myself better, but to say I want to avoid sin. I want to avoid sin. And when we get this, friends, it changes our lives. We're freed up. You know, many of us are living under bitterness and we are judging other people. That verse that I quoted from Matthew 7, he says, Judge not lest you be judged, for with the judgment you use, you will be judged. Many of us have judged people who have hurt us. 
we're bitter, we're angry, we think we're better, and we think they must be punished. And what happens is we get tied to them in in an unhealthy way. It's bitterness that ties us to them. In Hebrews, it says that we must uh, not allow a root of bitterness to grow up, which defiles many. Bitterness defiles us and it ties us to evil things. And so you see often a person who judges their parent for being abusive or, or an alcoholic or whatever, they will start repeating those same sins because with the judgment they use, it comes back upon them because we're not supposed to be the judge. God is the judge. But we can discern. We can say, I don't want that for my life. I'm not better than them. I don't know the reasons why they acted that way, but I choose I don't want that in my life. Let me put it another way. If I look at the soil of my own heart and I say, I want to remove the weeds and the thorns from my own heart, that is discerning, where I say I'm getting rid of wrong ideas, wrong actions, wrong beliefs, wrong thoughts, uh, wrong motives. I'm taking the weeds out of my own heart. I can do that. And that's the parable of the sower. He said, your heart can have weeds in it, and we must discern and get good seed put in our hearts and remove bad. But when I look at the parable of the wheat and the tares, he said that the the good seed and the good plants are people, and the bad seed and the bad plants are people. He says we mustn't judge those. We mustn't judge people. We judge ideas in our own hearts. But other people, we love them. We discern and say, I don't want that for my life but I don't treat myself as better. Now, when we get all of this, the kingdom of God grows. It's like a tree or a seed that just grows and grows and grows. I put the word in, the seed produces fruit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friend that you would help them and me to grow in your kingdom to get a mindset from your parables and to extend your kingdom to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.